0: Welcome to the Sooner Catholic Podcast. This week we are talking about the talk we heard last night, living holy as a single person. Thanks for joining. All right. I don't know really where we are in this take, but welcome to the Sooner Catholic Podcast. We're talking about last night's talk, living holy as a single person. Joanna Sanchez was the speaker and she is my sister and I am immensely proud to be her brother. All right trevor what were some of the themes that that you picked up on last night and, and what stood out to you okay first off out of the two sanchez siblings that i don't know
1: um i'm gonna say that joanna is potentially uh no i'm just <laughs> joanna you were great um if you, if you listen to this is she, does she listen Do you know not yet okay well she might listen to this one because it's about her um about what god did in her no i mean what stood out i think man it was a powerful story i, I don't know if y'all listen to this were there, but if you weren't just know that it was one of the ones that you just are, it's so amazed to see God's providence in someone's life. Right. And it's, and I mean, props to her, it's hard to, it's so hard to be vulnerable like that to a large group of people that you don't know that, like, you don't know how they're going to receive it. You don't know what they're thinking, but just lay out like, you know, this, <clears throat> the messiness and the hurt and, 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 and the brokenness of sin in, in like someone's life, because the only testimonies we have are the ones of how god rescued us from those things right who brought us out of those things so anyway powerful story i think one of the things that stood out to me most was one and she said this in the beginning that prayer was at the middle beginning at the beginning middle and end of not i mean there isn't an end until she's in heaven but you know the, her whole story is enveloped in like how god worked through prayer to change her heart um yeah, and she said that from the very beginning. She's like, my, my you know, she, I don't remember exactly how she phrased it, but something about like, my, my testimony being wrapped up in, in my prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see, like, yeah, the difference between following the Lord versus kind of just, like, showing up to church, a lot of times it's rooted in prayer. I got that a lot from the talk. I also saw um, this theme, and she talked about this, of us hiding, mm-hmm. right? So this reflection on Adam and Eve in the garden when they're hiding from their normal encounter with the Lord that he walks with them in the garden. Um, I think... I've seen that a lot in my life, this, this response to like, oh, I don't, I don't want people to know this about me or, or even like, I don't want, I don't want to talk about this with God. I don't, I just want to go into my place that, that, that at least if not, if I'm not anything, at least I'm comfortable. Um, even if I'm not living for something. So I saw that. I think the the final thing I'd say that stood out to me was like, God used, People, but he used particularly, it just took time. Like, that's that the story she told is not one that like takes place overnight. Like, it was yeah. years and yeah. years, decades yeah. of her life of God working. And I think so many times when we're sharing the faith with someone, or even when, when we're growing in faith ourselves, we expect to see it like change overnight. And it's just not like the way most of the time it happens. You know, again, there are those moments of breakthrough where there isn't overnight like switch from the day before, but it's like. It, it takes a lifetime of God continuing to work in her heart. So it's, it's convicting to me to like, to know that God still has so much more in store for my story and my conversion. So I don't know. Yeah. Obviously you've heard, you know, a lot more of her story. What were the parts that she shared that you're just like, man, if there's anything that like people need to know about what God's done in Joanna Sanchez's life, like these were the things
0: he shared that were just like so powerful. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of stories, a lot of testimonies and my sister's just, 100% one of my absolute favorites and I think it's cuz yeah I've known her, I've seen her from you know obviously like a young age and growing up together and but just being able to hear her testimony both on stage and just like late night on a couch just like hear it through and through it's just so beautiful and I think she tells it so beautifully like she just tells it so real and like doesn't miss the things that people might you know skip over in their own testimony and I think it's just like like Maybe one or two things come to mind. One is like the Lord has shown her that there's always been meaning in her life, mm. and uh, and I was thinking about that today, and even in prayer, and like asking the Lord to like reveal a moment in my life that I had maybe discarded as insignificant or embarrassing. I didn't want to think of it or whatever it is, and and I feel like my sister was sharing moments that we might be tempted to bury or just forget about or discard as like that's not important. No one cares about that. No one wants to hear about that. And and I think her story was a lot of times like like going back to like. God's telling her like I see, I see this in, in your life, and I was there with you, and your pain matters to me, mm-hmm. like whether it's physical, or emotional, or whatever it was. So that's one. It's just like the Lord like validating all those moments of her life, and I think two would be like the Lord like dispelling lies, right, that she had believed, and mm-hmm. lies that came from wounds. We talked talk about this like the previous week, I think. Like yeah. my sister had a lot of um, a lot of big wounds in her life that, um, many that she shared last night many that she will probably share another time in a more intimate space, but, um, a lot of wounds in her life that like led to lies about how she believed, you know, about what she believed about herself. Right. And, and, and so even, even coming across, um, like deep encounters with God or even coming across, you know, me and her con- talking and conversing about stuff like, and she even shared it last night, like, that's so annoying. I like, stop talking about that. Um, or, or going to a conference and like everyone's praying and she's just like i'm out of place right it's like the lie is like because what i've done because uh what's been done to me because of the things that i've said or thought or whatever like it disqualifies me like it disqualifies me from god's grace i i can't and i won't be able to pray like everyone else is praying i can't follow god i can't turn back i can't give my life to god there's something in me that is a lie that obstructs me from just being able to open up completely to like the mercy and love of god it's just it i'm just slightly outside of that range <clears throat> and i think just her walking through like the ways that god has spoke truth into her life to undo those lies i think both those are just those are not just like themes unique to my sister but i think those are themes of like unique to a, a real conversion yeah what do you think about that
1: yeah no that's that's so true um <clears throat> I was reading, I was praying again this morning. There's an article. I actually haven't sent this to you yet. Side, <laughs> uh, so this is, I need to send you this article. And if anyone's listening to this and wants the article, I'll send it to you. It's one by, uh, I actually don't know the author. Monsignor Shea used it for his talk at Seek about resisting medi- mediocrity. I don't know if you saw the talk or anything, but um, why would you bring it up? Lies, lies, lies. Oh, he talks about in the article that the most important thing when it comes to African uh, like discipleship with Jesus is actually, he talks about like putting on the mind of Christ. So he quotes St. Paul in Philippians chapter two, verse five, when he talks about putting on the mind of Christ and he's like, actually like this call to perfection. When, G- when Christ says like, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect is not perfect um, execution, perfect achievement. He says, uh, actually like Christ did not have perfect execution and perfect achievement. Right. Cause you like look at his, er- his, uh, earthly life prior to the resurrection. And, and what kind of perfection can we get, garner from, like, him if, if he is the, 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 the source, the model, the exemplar of perfection? It's that it's that he was perfect in being submissive to the Father's will and, and doing the Father's will and knowing the Father's will and, 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 and setting out to do it. And so, like, what you're talking about, these lies, I think, that that shape everyone's heart. Like, it's a part of everyone's So These lies that we hear about ourselves or about um, who we are, about how we relate to God that are so pernicious or so dangerous in our spiritual life Um, it's actually so dangerous, particularly because the whole point of the Christian life is to to know the truth, Mm -hmm. to be set free by the truth that, that leads Mm -hmm. us to love and to charity. So, right. So, so situated in that way lies are the, the opposite of, of knowing who we are and, and, and viewing the world as God does, because, because the truth is this reality and reality itself is love, which is God um so that that was like a you know in math when you have the a equals b and b that's what we just did um alex i'd be curious to hear your experience so right you have this kind of like reversion experience in a particular way um over the course of years you know leading from late high school into college you know you know at the end of college deciding to be a missionary and share your faith how did you go about like obviously and and you know this I think most people that have experienced the Lord in a profound way find that the most difficult people to share that with often are their family, the people that they're very much closest with. So I'd, I'd be curious to hear you go in, in the, in the way back machine and just like in those initial moments in the beginning for you, um, when you started to like have your conversion, like how, how, well, you know, these, these deeper moments of conversion, how did you like approach your family? And obviously specifically with us talking about Joanna and her Testament, how did you approach her? Um, with with the faith like what did that look like like what were you praying what were you thinking about what was your you know strategy all these things so i think everyone like has people in their family that they want to know like man i just want to share this with them but it's so hard and i don't know how you know
0: yeah that's such a good question and um i think uh, like the lord's done uh, a lot of work and there's been a big blessing in that particular like area of talking to my family about faith but um the first year and a half two years in focus <clears throat> they were, they were bad. Like I had bad conversations. Yeah. I came, I came home. I always sat in the same chair at my house. I called it the hot seat and I was just ready to like go at it with my parents. And like, I was thinking, you know, I spent all the time on campus thinking about all the times that they like failed me as parents and like they inform me and like things that they were doing that were wrong or like they didn't, you know, fulfill my baptismal promise. Like I just felt like this zeal and wanted to blame other people. Right. Or like, or wanted to convict them that, Hey, I'm, I'm right. And what I'm doing is, is right and holy and, and until and so you guys acknowledge that you'll never be happy you know and um and it just was argument after argument after argument my parents probably thought that i was so hypocritical and that i was holier than thou and i was just putting myself in that place to to, to prove them right and i remember two years in like realizing like man i'm trying so hard to like convince my parents that i'm right and that's just like the wrong intention like I'm not trying to necessarily, like, slowly and gently reveal God's love to them. Mm. It's like, I want them to know that I'm right and that they were wrong, which is not how we have crucial conversations, which we'll be talking about in a few weeks, right? So I I was more focused when I was going home into, like, articulating an argument than interior transformation. Like, I was less, I was, uh, I was less worried about being, like, authentically Christ to my family and m- more worried about putting the right kind of argument together to prove my point. Right. Mm-hmm. And yep. so once I began two years in to realize the primacy of God's mercy in my life, like I began to, to be transformed the way I talked to people and that included my family. So I began to talk with, with my dad and ask him about his dad and I had more understanding about, um, yeah, how my, how far he had came from, from his father. And I began mm-hmm. to feel, be filled with more gratitude for my dad and the way he, he loved me. And I began to look at him with more mercy and, and gratitude and and then with my mom same thing that that, yeah maybe she had not you know held up to the standard of of marrying but she had tried her best you know with her father leaving her family you know she didn't really have a figure of the faith like that and so what happened is over time like when i began to talk to my sister it was less about like yeah you know like you're called to this too and whatever it was just like more conversations like what what's keeping you from it like what are you like afraid of or what what do you feel like is holding you back and we began to have real conversations where she was just sharing like these deep and real things that happened in her life, like the beginnings of sharing her testimony with me. And so our our conversations completely changed. And so the biggest thing I learned is that when you have like a crucial conversation with someone, right. And, and uh, especially when it comes to the faith, especially when you're like a, you're you're having this conversion, like, how do you talk about it with your loved ones? You, You need to realize that if you're trying to have a conversation with someone about the faith and about a deepening of faith or conversion, you're asking them to almost invalidate their life up to that point. Like because if someone hasn't been living faithfully for Christ and you're telling them that there's a gap between where they are and where they could be, like you're you're telling them that where they've been is not where they should be. And like the decisions that they've made, or not necessarily the best. Like you're asking them to invalidate maybe their decision of like how they spend their days and their weekends and Sundays and all this kind of stuff. And so there's a lot of insecurity and probably frustration, and anger being built up in these conversations. So I began to just be like, how can I help my family like feel secure? Like not, I'm not blaming them for something. I'm not, you know, guilt tripping my sister for not being, you know, faithful or whatever it is, but what can I do in our relationship to give them the kind of security to begin to entertain? Like, could God, be calling them deeper right so what can i be doing to give them security that's what comes to mind yeah
1: and i think like what you're saying about security is really good right because you you're always on this interesting line when it comes to sharing the faith um with people right between like you want to like create you want to create discomfort in the world, like, in or in, in their, um, I guess, like, situation in the world, right? So you, you, or you don't want to create it. You want to raise an awareness that, mm-hmm. that actually there's a tension there that they're unaware of, right? So, like, <clears throat> you want people to see, like you're saying, the gap. But I, th- I love what you're saying about making them feel safe and secure because, like, you want that, that gap to be realized within the context of they know where to go, mm-hmm. Because if, if the gap is realized and there's not a place to go, this is your one you shared the weeks ago about the dude who went to Himalayas or whatever, right? Like he saw there was a gap, right. but he didn't have a place. He didn't have trust, a place of security to fall back on. So he wound up, you know, exactly. going somewhere crazy. And I think like when people realize there's a gap and they don't have somewhere to go, there, there's a lot of, I mean, they could wind up coming back to, to the church or they could wind up turning to all kinds of things not even like it could be other religions it could be you know other other um, things to fill the void whether it's you know particularly attractive vices like you know alcoholism or or pornography or all these things and so i think like what you're saying is so true that that creating a place of security gosh it's so needed and i think that's where this incarnational aspect of evangelization takes place because like they have to feel like they can trust you and and that just takes time and there's and there's no neat formula that leads to that besides just like being attentive to the fruit of the Holy spirit and loving that person, and being willing to wait however long it takes. Um, yeah, I, I love that for sure. Sorry. Is there-
0: no, it's really good. I was just going to say like what I've, I, like what I've learned in that regard is just like to ask genuine questions and like seek to understand, like to uncover, like m- more often than not, there's something that's in someone's heart or their mind that is creating some kind of obstacle right between, between them and God or them mm-hmm. in the church. And the more you argue, the more that you're just burying it under other things. Right. And now it's not now there's not just like this obstacle that happened in the past or whatever, but there's also additional arguments that are based in faith that are more likely to, to push them further away if that initial thing is not uncovered. So you create the safety and then you, you begin to ask, like, yeah, what what is it that you feel like is separating you and God or you in the church or whatever it is within with the. With a disposition of just understanding and like seeking to know seeking to uncover and that happens like you said in the midst of relationship in the midst of incarnational like evangelization in the midst of just spending time together um yeah i think it's i think that's really really good and it um it makes me think of like just like the, the very last thing i wanted to to finish on which one thing my sister mentioned one of the three things she talked about comparison um and time and accountability and um and just like this idea that like, again, if we're looking anywhere else other than God, it will fall short. Like, And so you think about apologetics, you think about creature conversations, you think about convicting your parents, or your family or whatever it is. And if, if that's the end goal is like, I want to convince them or convict them or prove to them or prove my my stance or prove where I am that it's right. All of it will fall short. All of it will fall into an argument or disagreement or I didn't feel listened to. I didn't feel respected, whatever it is. Yeah. All of it has to be the whole point, And this is a sneak peek of the few in a few weeks. The whole point of a crucial conversation is reconciliation. The whole point is reconciling back to God and back to the person, right? And so if any of us are looking at more about, again, like uh, our schedule or productivity or um, proving someone wrong or doing something or a weakness that we have or strength that someone else has it's going to lead to comparison, resentment, all that kind of stuff. So just for each one of us to stay like with this idea of how does God see me right now? Lord, how do you see the situation? So each of us challenged to turn our gaze more towards more towards the Lord um this week and to realize like what what is it in us that is maybe creating like that obstacle of encountering the Lord. My sister mentioned like for a while she was hiding behind good things behind bible yeah. studies behind conferences and the lord's like man you're trying to hide these things so that i see them and not you so what is it and, and how is it that that we're hiding this week any final thoughts trev no I-, I was gonna make a dumb joke but uh i will not so <laughs> i was
1: gonna say like kids playing hide and go seek like don't, don't be a kid be except for when jesus said to be like job but anyway yeah like pray pray about those things thinking about
0: where, where we're hiding. Absolutely. I love I love it, baby. Fire flame, fire flame. See y'all next week. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, Chris. Sorry. Sorry. do i do that you <laughs> don't do that
1: anymore
0: <laughs> oh i just wasted no everyone's no, no, okay. time just, no just
1: just just go with that like that's yeah, 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 just yeah, cut. yeah chris will be listening to us stumbling right now he'll just cut this part out
0: or do you want to just leave it in and just keep rolling
1: yeah keep rolling that's what i'm saying he'll just clip it or
0: do you know what i'm saying not clip it and just keep rolling just
1: keep rolling show them that we're real
0: and now life
1: sometimes has a feel oh my god
0: (laughs) and now we need to clip it we're good right.